Welcome, listeners. Uh, you're listening to Inaudible, a podcast uh, by me, Jeremy Wylan, and my co-host, Ryan Masterson. Hello. And we're... Hi, hi Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about the Confederation philosophy, uh, the Confederation of Planets in service to the One Infinite Creator, the messages that they've brought through uh, an organization called LL Research, and trying to grapple with these ideas, uh, with the whole concept of channeling and uh, entities like that, and see if we can make some sense of it. So yes. welcome to the podcast. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Jeremy, how's uh, how's your week been? How's, how's the catalyst been this week? <laughs> uh, oh, now I have to like reflect on something that I didn't have quite in mind and uh, <laughs> it's been it's been pretty good uh, works going fine um, and uh, it's really actually been a lot of little studies and communication hmm. uh, communication slips here and there and uh, you know uh, that that's been a focus of mine from a spiritual point of view for some time so mm-hmm that that's pretty much what's been going on. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I feel you. But same. Um, gosh, life is life. Work is so busy, and uh, um, trying to you know trying to help as many people as I can at work. At least you know there's the there's my um, I work with financial advisors, so there's the advisors that I want to help and work with and, and help them. But then there's all, our whole client base that I'm trying to also help. Um, and all the same time, you know, be a husband and a, and a father and a sane person to myself, you know? So, but yeah, good week. Good week. Just, I just, just came in from doing a whole lot of yard work, putting, laying down some mulch. So, you know, the house is looking good. It's looking better. (laughs) It's looking better. So there's a little reward and, you know, and putting in the sweat effort, you know? Yeah. I did a lot of yard work this today too I think you have a nice glow you have a nice glow going on <laughs> uh, yeah i turned off yeah yeah i definitely um did a lot of walking of the dogs today about uh-huh. twice as much as we would normally do on a day and just you know getting out there weather's really nice in richmond virginia here mm, mm. Uh, it's nice steady 70 75 oh, so. same up here i'm in the pacific northwest we've got our first heat wave it's in the 80s. I mean, it's springtime, so 80s, you know, low 80s is hot. But funny, my wife and I are headed to Hawaii next weekend, and it's going to be colder in Hawaii than it is up here in the Seattle area. So, yeah, that's insane. You know, but at least we're going to get out to the tropics. So that'll be fun. That is fun. Wow. <laughs> that'll be fun. So I guess we'll be skipping that week, huh? <laughs> well, or we got to, well, shoot, we're going to be out Wednesday. So, yeah, we might have to might have to do a Monday or Tuesday. Well, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll we'll have to do something. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think first on our mind is a uh, a a correction for our last episode. I had brought up. I I was concerned, dear listeners. I was concerned because in my mind, the way I had remembered uh, the material was that. Ra had stated roughly 10% of earthlings were on the service to self path. And uh, Jeremy and I went back and forth about what that might mean and 
and uh, well, if you listen to lap, last episode, you know, but uh, it turns out I was completely wrong and Jeremy forwarded me the, uh, the correct answer. And we, we checked this with uh, a few people, but the only place we could find a reference to what I was perceiving as the uh, 10% negative uh, service to self path was in fact in session 65, question 13. And I'll just read it here. The questioner says, how common in the universe is a mixed harvest for a planet of both positively and negatively oriented mind, body, spirit complexes? And then Ra replies, I am Ra. Among planetary harvests, which yield a harvest of mind, body, spirit complexes, approximately 10% are negative, approximately 60% are positive, and approximately 30% are mixed with nearly all harvest being positive. So uh, Samsonite, I was way off on that, but I'm, I'm happy to know I was way off because again, if we had, you know, if we had 10% of, of uh, people on earth headed down the negative path, I'm like, wow, why, why aren't things much worse than they are right now? Cause that's, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, this is the kind of little detail that after so long of studying the Confederation's messages, I still often find myself slipping up, uh, you know, applying a number to a figure that is completely wrong. And it just goes to show you that, um, you know, the details can be confusing sometimes. These really nitpicky percentages or something like that. And just to remember that that's not the heart of the message, things like that. Those are little like factoids, but the heart of the philosophy is, I think, what you and I are really interested in keeping our bead on and making sure that we're conveying, you know, that kind of curiosity and, uh, you know, in this case, humility and mm -hmm. sense of wonder about all of these all of these topics. And if we find a place where we are clearly misleading you, um, we'll be the first to say it. I mean, I didn't feel right about that uh, figure. Uh, and I let that feeling of it not being right convince myself that it, it didn't apply to what you said. It applied to some other thing that was also mm -hmm. not right. <laughs> sure. And it's about quibbling about those details can sometimes, you know, break the flow of the conversation. And I really think that it's the flow of this conversation where any value that the listener might have, they'll get it from that. Uh, Cause that's mm. the love freely flowing if we're doing it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it reminds me, we just spoke about this, but it reminds me that I had it in my mind, almost certain that that was, that that was uh, accurate, that I was remembering it correctly which is why I, why I wanted to bounce the idea off of you. So to learn that I had that way off and now reminds me that there's probably a lot of things that are, that's in the material that really resonate with me that I might get the, I might get the overall feeling, the overall message, but I, I don't get the details right. And that's, that's okay. But like you said, if you're going to, you know, you lose yourself in the details and it's like, lose yourself at your own risk, you know, stay, stay out of the, stay out of those mundane details, try to keep it high level. 
stick with the overall philosophy. So, but it also makes me think I, uh, I should do more repetitions. It, you know, what's funny when I, when I go on runs, I will listen to teaching the law of one there. Uh, it's on audiobook, And I, instead of just going through it, I will listen to one session on repeat because typically I'll get to one session and I'll think to myself, that was fantastic. I'll, I want to go back and listen to that one little sentence that, uh, that Jim, it, you know, it's Jim reading it. So I want to hear something he says, and then I'll, I'll repeat it and I won't hear it. I'm like, oh, I must've missed it. Maybe my mind was wandering during that time and I'll listen to it again. And then I'll hear something else that, that pings, but I still won't hear it. It, you know, it takes me three or four times to go, oh, oh yeah, there, there it was. I found it again. So personally, I, I can go through the same session multiple times at least listening to it and, uh, you know, get a few things from it every time I listen to it. So, um, I guess that's great in one aspect, but on the other aspect, it's, uh, you know, personally, I need to get more clarity, you know? Well, I can tell you that I listen to living love and light podcast episodes more than once, uh, sometimes th as many as three times trying to pick up on that stuff, you know, uh, the listening mode is one that allows the, the information to kind of wash over you, but your attention at any given moment is not guaranteed. Right. Yes. So it's okay to like go back and listen to stuff. And, you know, sometimes you're going to put the pieces together a little bit wrong. And, you know, the way that the creation is set up is that there is a feedback mechanism for errors like this or all of the other errors that we could possibly have in our lives. There is a feedback mechanism. And that that's a good uh, uh, point to bring up, that we have a feedback mechanism other than the creator. Uh, well, another type of feedback mechanism uh, that is the creator, which is you, uh, the listener. Uh, if you mm -hmm. go to our uh, website, inaudible.show, uh, you can leave us um, a message uh, give us your feedback. Tell us whether we're connecting or not. Uh, tell us whether we're right or not. Like we, uh, really thrive on that. We've already gotten some messages that are really special and, uh, encouraging and we really appreciate that. But we want to hear about all of it because the only point of doing this is to be of service. I'm not in it to just, you know, talk about like my ideas. Like I really want to have a conversation with Ryan and uh, connect with the listener. So let us know. Yeah, yeah. Let us know if uh, I think it's hard to it's hard to say. I I think what you mean to say instead of letting us know if we're right because that's that's hard. Let it, but let us know where you're pretty certain we're going wrong. <laughs> you know, I mean, at minimum, <laughs> yeah. at minimum, that will help us uh, get a little bit more introspective with you know the way we feel about it. I mean, at minimum, we might disagree at the end of the day, but it's a great, great intellectual exercise. Um, if you have a different view or a different opinion on uh, a particular passage or idea. So uh, yeah, send, send those ideas to us. Definitely. After, after our last podcast, you and I got to talking and... I made a comment about my son and 
this was on the nature of love because I know that I love my son. You know, I know I love my wife and my twin brother. But what does it say about me? The way that I love my son. And the way I described it was, was that I essentially recognized the darkness in myself that is behind some of that love. And, you know, if my, what does it say about how I feel about others? If someone were to hurt my son, you know, take away my son, the darkness of the thoughts that come to my mind as far as what type of punishment I would inflict upon that person, it's, it, it makes me think twice, you know, and I know that I know that those are thoughts in my head that's likely those would never come out, but at the same time, they're there and they, you know, and they're not nice. And I'm just, it might be a tough road to go down to, to talk about, but is it possible to learn what lessons are there to learn about the lessons of love and loving everyone as the creator or recognizing the creator and everyone if i have that level of defensiveness about one individual in my life you know what i'm saying yeah absolutely i do um what does it say it says you're a human being and that you have fears um you know there is no point pretending that we don't have fear and that fear or or that fear is some kind of failure um in uh one of Pima Chodron's books she talks about talking with one of her teachers about fear what do you do when you get afraid uh and he goes i agree i agree the hmm. point is not to push down the fear or to act on it, but to let it, like every other experience, I believe, reflect yourself back to you. And to and the the what's uh, confounding about all this is that even that fear is a type of love, distorted, like everything is, but it's a type of love. And if you can, if if it bothers you that uh, you are having harsh. <laughs> feelings about a hypothetical situation in which your son might be uh, injured or something like that. Um, the What I think Ra or a confederation entity might say is that that's something, that's a rich opportunity to balance something within yourself. Mm -hmm. It is not that uh, you are doing something wrong or incorrect by having that, or that it evinces something wrong in yourself by having this feeling. Feelings are, in my opinion, never wrong. Uh, the question is, is what are they uh, the signal of? What are they pointing to? And how can we explore that more so that we can understand ourselves, understand the creator, understand the nature of love? Um, so taking that into balance would, would be a fantastic way to use it instead of uh, being just simply being disturbed by it, right? Yeah. I think that's a great point, what you just said. Using it, well, I'll be honest, I can't remember what you just said <laughs> already because I'm thinking, because <laughs> I'm trying to resort it in my head, but, but using that, using that discomfort, that discomfort and recognize it and explore that. Why am I feeling that way? <clears throat> Well, you know, 
is there something deeper? Again, going back to the last episode, asking those five whys, is there, is there a level deeper that I can go to try to understand, understand that? But um, absolutely. There's, there's one other aspect I thought that might be interesting and I'm, I'm, I'm winging it a little bit here cause I don't have a exact reference, but I read this in the transcript library not too long ago. Remember I'm a little farther ahead than you. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about quo at this point, but they talk about, if I'm not mistaken, how worry and hypotheticals that uh, project something that we dread in the future uh, is a type of desire. Interesting. That when we put our attention on these things, on these worst possible cases, right? You know, we think uh, in uh, normal reality that we're just doing due diligence. We're trying to test ourselves and, okay, how would I react in this situation? How would I react in that situation? And that's fine, right? But it's important that when it goes too far, if it became like a preoccupation or something, you know, if, if you're constantly worried, if you're Liam Neeson constantly worrying about, you know, your kid being kidnapped or something uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and wondering and, 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 and reinforcing in yourself that you have a, spe- a particular set of skills, you know, and going down that road, uh, you know, you are actually attracting that to you in a way. Now, I'm not saying, you know, it sounds a little bit like law of attraction. And I think mm. law of attraction is probably solid on some level. Um the, the way that it gets distorted is that people think that it's just your like limited self's desire that manifests things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they leave out what I believe is the, 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 the real truth of it, which is that there are parts of you that are not available immediately to your waking consciousness. And all of those things play a role in your desire. Mm-hmm. So understanding how we bring experience bring lessons to ourselves uh, in this total way is really important so that we can learn how to use our minds to accelerate our evolution rather than, uh, which is also a perfectly fine option, uh, relearning the same lessons over and over. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, most of us spend our entire lives Working on a couple of questions, I think the Confederation says, you know, it's usually like, you know, a handful of like things you're trying to explore in your life and you see them come up over and over again. Uh, But uh, it's about using the mind and what the mind is uh, as a tool rather than letting it spin you out and worry you. Um, Hmm. And then, you know, the interesting thing is that if you can if you can uh, stop fixating on things, then when things really present themselves to you as a urgent concern, you know that that's something to pay attention to instead of something to, you know, just dismiss. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe something where meditation can help. <laughs> that constant. Well, you know, meditation is always the answer to whatever question the Confederation gets <laughs> that's asked. True. Yeah, that's but, true. But uh, no reason we can't make it our answer too, right? <laughs> yeah. I, it makes me think that uh, outside of spirituality, outside of the Confederation, even in your general psychology book or even business success books, they talk about mindset and the fact that if you have just in general a negative outlook or negative interpretation or a uh, that kind of victimhood mentality where you're you are always being acted upon and you're not really in control of what's going on 
then anything and everything that does happen does happen to you because you yourself are framing it that way. You know, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, it looks completely different, but from an internal point of view, you're like, oh my gosh, another dog, you know, pooped in my yard. And now I got to clean it up and I got to do it again. And, oh, you know, it's it just little things become huge and like the world is against you. And on the flip side, if you're one, a person who just looks at everything so positively and it's just completely, just completely different, you know, as far as uh, how external events affect your life. So it's interesting to kind of have that corollary in the just general, general psych. Yeah. And, uh, you know. I, I think a big part of a lot of Confederation messages is that perception is not simply a passive act, right? It is a creative mm. act in which we decide where we're going to place our attention and how we're going to interpret things. We bring an attitude, we bring our memories and our history, our fears, our past traumas. Mm -hmm. um, we might bring influences that we can't even fathom, right? I mean, there's who knows why you wake up on a given day and you feel like a different person for some reason, or you're just a little bit off. Like these are all things that um, again, meditation can help us grapple with because it will show us what perception is actually like. It will slow it down so that we can see uh, the way that the machine works and we can participate in it. We don't just have to be subject to it. And, you know, sometimes you just can't let go of a certain perception. You're really fixated on your story about what reality is actually doing. Maybe you have a disagreement or a dispute with someone and it's really important that you maintain this particular perception because it enables you, for example, to continue that argument and to continue feeling right. Again, the reflection is what will expose that to you, but you have to slow down and pay attention to it mm -hmm. through meditation. Mm -hmm. And this, this conversation is making me think again of a, a little note I sent you about a comment you made in the last episode about that until we make the choice, that catalyst is essentially random. It's just it's just life coming at you, right? You you got problems, life problems, and once you make the choice, then that catalyst that comes your way is all of a sudden serves a purpose, right? Because you're using that to polarize in one direction or another. So every little bit that comes at you, it's like, how do I use this opportunity? to love. And I think that's, this is a can of worms. I hope we start to get into today because how do you love, you know, how, how does that little bit of catalyst say, well, how can I make this, how can I use this to be of service to someone? But what does it mean to be of service? You know, um, because what I, I think raw is somewhat clear about, or at least the Confederation is clear about that when you serve someone, you must serve them how they wish to be served. You know, you can't come in with your own agenda about how you think they should be served. That's not service. It, you know, that's you doing what you want to do. Um, but it, it's that, distorted. It's distorted. Sure. It's distorted. It might still be of service, you know. Yeah. But the idea is how can we uh, hit the mark more often, right? Yes. Yes. And I think of, you know, 
dealing with a two-year-old is just a it's great practice for this <laughs> because he it's been such a learning experience with him because you know he'll he'll fall down we'll be playing with some other you know adults and kids in, in the neighborhood and he'll fall down he'll take a pretty good bonk and uh as a parent you know he's okay he's just a little shocked a little sad and he starts crying and if I just walk up to him and go, oh, brush yourself off, dude, you're totally fine and discount the way that he's feeling, you know, what he's experiencing, eh, I'm not really, I'm not really serving my little kid, am I, you know, but if I go up and I ask him, oh boy, like what happened? Did you, you skid your, you know, if I, it just feels like if I come to his level and be what he needs me to be in that moment then he's able to get through it. But if I come in there with what I think I should be in that moment, you know, for his, what's best for him, then, well, he's going to cry for longer and, you know, and then I'll probably look like, look like a dick in front, in front of the other parents of like, boy, that guy's really mean to his kid, <laughs> you know, but, uh, the joys, the joys of having, uh, of having a two-year-old. Yeah, that's uh it's a, it's a relationship where communication is even more limited in <laughs> its Ooh. ability to help out than, than normal. Yes. Great point. Great point. And so it makes it even more important to connect on the same level with someone so that, you know, you can, you can be of service. Um, and that's, uh, that's what's such a mystery about the Confederation's concept of service, I think, is that we have to do what is asked of us and nothing more. But we don't we often don't get asked outright. If we waited for people to ask us explicitly what it is that they desire from us, we might be waiting around for a very long time. And so this is something I've struggled with. In fact, this is probably the thing that I struggled with this week. I realize it now um, that I need to be better at perceiving where somebody's at and hearing what they're asking for through their actions or through their comportment, right? Like the way that they just are carrying themselves that day. If I have a judgment about that, I can't be there for them. I am putting them into a box that's convenient for me um, and helps me sort of take the, 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 the infinity of their beingness and kind of place it on the shelf where I think it should be hmm. in my life. Hmm. Uh, and the real challenge, I think, is to learn when we need to just stop, get down on our knees, look mm -hmm. the person in the eye if they're two years old or maybe stay standing if they're older and <laughs> just be there for them. Be there in a and not in a begrudging way, right? Like if we do this because we think we're supposed to do it, it won't be the same thing. It has to be freely given to be pure. And it has to be what they desire. And it is hard enough to figure out what we desire. It, it seems completely impossible to be able to intuit what others desire. And yet, Ryan, and yet there are people who are really, really good at this, who know how to serve somebody in the way that they want. And I think it's because they take themselves out of the equation to a certain extent 
and they put themselves completely in the frame of the other person in some, in some kind of imaginative way. And that allows them to narrow down, I, I'm speculating here, but it allows them to mm-hmm. narrow down the set of possibilities of what that person's state is. I don't think you have to understand a person completely in order to be able to give them what they ask. But you do have to get yourself out of the way so that you don't have an agenda in it. And it can be totally about that person. Does that make sense? Hmm. This this is hard for me. Not – I could listen all day. I actually – I very much enjoy um, individuals. People, large groups, that's another story. Individuals, though, I love getting to know individuals. And everyone has a fascinating story little quirks that I find super interesting. It, I, I, I shy away from people who, again, tend to have that, uh, that constant victim mentality, like if that's just their way of life. Um, however, if, if someone is going through a rough time, if they're a friend of mine or, or someone close to me and they're going through a rough time, I will totally listen to them. But where I struggle is that where I struggle, how do I word this properly? Where I struggle is that as I'm listening to what's going on in their life, I understand where they're coming from. And so I say things like, oh, I understand, you know, but something's missing because they want me to be as outraged as they are or as upset. You know, they want me to ta- to connect with the level of their discontent or unhappiness or, or fury, whatever it is, but I'm so chill and I'm, you know, I'm just listening to it going, um, wow, that's terrible. I understand why you feel that way. You know, it, I come off, I come off as cold, you know, so I don't, I'm still sorting through that one, but I, I, yeah, if someone, if someone comes to me with, with, uh, uh, especially if it pertains to me, like if, like if it's my wife, for example, you know, and she's like, boy, you, I just don't feel like you're, you're doing this very well or, or this frustrates me, you know, I'll be like, yeah, I will. I understand why that frustrates you, <laughs> you know, I'll try to do better. So it just, it, that never seems to though, it never seems to hit like it needs to with, uh, with sincerity, with the sincerity that I feel, but it's, I'm not, commu- I don't think I'm communicating it in a way where, you know the other person is able to connect with my sincerity. What it sounds like to me, and I, and I, I suffer from this too, um, is that you are unwilling to enter the total emotional frame of the person to whom you're speaking, Hmm. because in order for you to really understand and really sympathize, you'd have to feel all of the pain that they're feeling. And you don't want to do that. And I don't blame Mm, you. I don't want to do that either. But at a certain point, uh, there are certain, let me put it this way. And this is all spec. This is speculative on my part, but like there is a certain amount of sacrifice we have to make for service to be pure and true. We do have to, it has to be an exertion of some kind. Um, otherwise it has no value and nothing's been asked of us. Um, and like, so it has no ability to like polarize us in any way. Like the right? Confederation said in one of the recent messages in the last month of, uh, but that in order for it to be a gift, there has to be some kind of sacrifice involved or else it's not, Bingo. it's not a gift. So 
Yeah. And, and, you know, and, that, that service to, uh, that service to others where maybe me, myself, maybe I'm taking down that, that shield that I've always got up. Like I've already gone through the emotional BS that other, that other people, it, that some other people may be going through. And I don't want to go back there, <laughs> you know? So I, yeah, I guess you're, you're right. You kind of hit that on the head. I would personally yeah. rather say. What's uh, yeah, I think I think this is. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry, but okay. uh, a lot of this is. I think a lot of what Jesus is teaching in his, the example that he set was about that he always was uh, willing to uh, meet whomever needed his help on the level that they were at, and completely entered to into their frame and gave them a love that comes from knowing the feeling that they have, being willing to feel it along with them and thereby to take a little bit of the burden off of them because mm. now they don't have to feel it all on their own behalf. Someone else is feeling it with them too. Mm. And, you know, this is this is actually a pretty advanced topic uh, for, for service. Uh, it's something that I've thought about a lot that um, you really have to completely drop all of your defenses and be vulnerable mm -hmm. in order to hear what is asked for at that level. And it takes a real fortitude of heart and spirit to be willing to feel pain for no other reason than your brother or sister is feeling pain. And to, in the feeling of the pain and suffering along with them, to somehow uh, make it more poignant and in a way maybe even beautiful or touching because it's not as big of a burden if someone else is there with you and you've really like done the creator a service by putting a fine point of attention on this event in the creation, right? I mean, that's all it is at the end of the day. All of these things that we're dealing with, uh, no matter how big or small, they're just... They're, they're, they're one of countless events occurring in the manifest creation. And, you know, if we can have the point of view that it is just, you know, a blip in, 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 in a drop of water in a, in a gigantic ocean, uh, then it becomes a little bit more, uh, I won't say easy to take on that emotional frame and to feel along with them. Um, but it puts a perspective on what you're doing when you do that, that you're not going to lose yourself in grief just because you're trying to feel the grief that someone else is feeling. Uh, instead, you uh, are really just being there for them in exactly the way that they're at and letting that mm -hmm. tr uh, sort of like project out into the universe as a poignant moment. Um and I think there's something really beautiful and sad about that. But, you know, love is not all uh, uh, light and beauty and uh, good things and gumdrops. You know, this is kind of what's mysterious about the, the Confederation's concept of love, uh, that it does have sorrow in it. I mean, those of Ra call themselves the brothers and sisters of sorrow. They are not here uh, because everything is great. And their mere participation 
in any, at any level of our reality makes it better. They're here mm-hmm. to share that sorrow, I feel. They're here to share it, and by sharing it, by dipping back into that third density uh, horror show in a lot of ways, uh, to help alleviate the burden and give people hope that they can't solve their, your problems for you, but they can serve as a beacon uh, along with other uh, people in your life that, that, that inspire you um, or ideas that inspire you. These are all things that, uh, that present themselves as hope, as, hmm. you know, uh, the, the, a reminder that it isn't always like this. I mean, that's, I think, what a lot of people who, are, who suffer from depression, I mean, when I've been depressed, that's been a big part of it, is that you get so narrowly focused on this 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 present problem that you forget how much of a blip it is in a very long life in most cases, mm-hmm. and it's all about uh, the proper perspective or just understanding that perspective is malleable. Like yes. you don't have to look at things in a way that makes you upset. That is a choice. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong to look at it in a way that it makes you upset. It's just a, reminding yourself that you are the master who makes the grass green, to quote the Zen Cohen, right? Like mm-hmm. you are the one that makes experience the way it is by the, by the creative power of your perception. And much of the, of the Confederation's message is trying to wake us up to our own power. Hmm. There is certainly a lot of power in how one, well, one's perception. I mean, kind of like we, we said earlier, um, one's perception, one's focus on their day-to-day feelings, activities, I mean, whatever it is. Um, going back to, going back to, uh, Love not being all, you know, gumdrops and rainbows. And it's what came to mind when we were talking about this was that nothing seems to bind people together like tragedy, challenging circumstances, um, hardship, you know. Yeah, sorry. Losing my train of thought, but. No, it's cool. I that that happens to me too. It, um, but just sorting through, it's like, you know, I, obviously I have lots to sort through here. And I think getting back to the getting back to the message, it's, you know, you're right. Can I? Can I connect with what a person's feeling and really come to their level, wherever wherever they're feeling, and for a moment just set aside who I am, or at least the way that I'm feeling. And just, just for a moment, just connect with them, you know, on whatever level they need to be, they feel like they need to be connected with. Um, that does a lot for people just in general, because it, let's be honest. I I don't know about you. I can only speak about myself, but sometimes I go back and forth between two ideas. One, everyone is just like me. And then two, nobody is just like me. You know, so I'm either thinking, okay, everyone's working as hard as I am, or everyone's doing these crazy things. Oh, I got to work harder because everyone else is doing it. 
And then, and then on the other day, I'm like, wow, I'm such a weirdo. I'm feeling these weird things. No one else. I'm such, I'm such an oddball. When I'm feeling like the latter, it's, it's amazing when you run into someone and maybe you get to talking and you realize you're on the same page. It's a little validation that you're not going crazy. It's a little validation that, okay, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm sane. I'm still moving forward. It, you know, it's all of a sudden I can lay that to rest and I can get going with, and I can keep going with my life, you know? So I think those moments are powerful. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I just want to put, uh, emphasis on the fact that it's, it's really pleasant to share somebody's joy, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a, an emotional frame that I'm happy to enter. Um, but it takes a real understanding of your own emotional depth and, uh, just your ability to balance emotions within yourself to willingly enter into the frame of somebody who say, has lost a loved one and they are in the process of grief. And, you know, that is, it's probably unlikely that you will be able to achieve exactly (laughs) the, the depth of suffering that they are for very human reasons. Um, but we can attempt to open ourselves up to it. And by doing so, uh, we reject the idea that we are separate and we reject the idea that their suffering is just their suffering. No, it's like the Buddhists say, like, uh, my pain is everybody's pain, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you realize that was actually uh, something about Buddhism that really connected with me when I read it, to understand that everybody feels pain, everybody feels suffering and it unites us. It, uh, we need to think about it as less your pain, my pain, his pain, her pain. It's all of our pain. It brings us all together. It is a common experience that we all have. And I do believe that you're right, that it can be a uh, substrate over which we can connect. Hmm. Hmm. But, you know, it, it's just not pleasant. And maybe if, if, if this podcast can do one thing for the world, I would want it to convey the message that being into spirituality and new age stuff does not mean that you're solely looking for uh rainbow and sunshine all the time, right? Like it is about a deep study of yourself and the, and the human condition and the nature of existence. And none of these things are fun topics, right? They take us in, they take us into the places where we feel uh, the most off balance and the most confused. And, you know, uh, the whole point of uh, entering this, this reality, this third density illusion is to share that along with all the other people that are here um, and make sure that we bring everybody home. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the thing that I think our society really gets wrong is that we tinker around with like reforms and stuff like that, but we leave people behind every time we do that out of some sort of political uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, convenience or uh, resentment or, you know, class thing or whatever. Sure. What we are going towards is a uh, fourth density uh, experience where we won't be able to do that. 
everybody comes along or nobody does. And the more that we can live that in our personal lives and uh, 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 use our minds to reinforce that concept in our actions and in our in, in our thoughts, uh, the more that we can be part of building that world uh, in a way that, you know, voting is never going to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much reward when you when you recognize that challenge and you lean into it and you put in the work, there is so much reward. It's scary though. Let's be honest. It is scary. There's a reason why not everyone wants to go climb Mount Everest. You know, it's scary, but the reward when you get to the top, I can't imagine what that feels like, but that's a, it's a great metaphor for even your emotional, your day-to-day -day emotional relationships and your day-to-day -day interpersonal interactions. It reminds me of a recent Hatan message where they said something like, we're here. We want to remind you that you are real. Yes. You are real. And the things that you do matter. And, you know, one way to interpret that is that, oh, okay, well, I better do good at my job or I, I better, you know, you know, do some other like, you know, surface level thing. But what it really means, I think, is that in every in all of those deep aspects that we often talk about about desire and the nature of love these things are all real we are real our experience is real and uh the more that we believe that uh the more that we can uh engage with the true energy of these things and 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 work with them to learn and grow mhm mm yeah, it makes me think of a line out of the most recent um, Living Love Light publication. Um, I think it was maybe the first session in 1978, is in March 1978. And um, Hatan says that you, you're in the wilderness, you enter the wilderness, and you have a slight memory of the paradise you came from, but you're in the wilderness and you're alone. And that's where the challenge is. You can't just hang out in paradise and remember the wilderness and, and expect that you're going to grow. You've got you've to go into the wilderness. Um, but remember that paradise that is real, you know? Um, yeah, it, it's real. Um, the rest is this, this illusion, a very convincing illusion, you know, as they say it. And I'm still trying to see it as an illusion Candidly, I still see it as a hundred percent real, you know, the day to day I'm just, I'm in it. Right. So, but I'm trying to absorb those, those higher messages that, um, that this is, this is the wilderness. This is the test. And what is it that I can do here to grow spiritually? If that's, if that's what's really growing, you know, um, what can I do here? to grow and help others because it kind of sucks here sometimes, you know, I mean, there's some great moments, but boy, there's some challenges. And if, and if, and if I can help just a couple people get through their challenges, then, you know, that's, it's just, it's so satisfying. Well, you touched on a topic that might be good to uh, dive into a bit. What does the Confederation mean when they say that it's all an illusion? You know, yeah. it's funny because I was just uh, talking about this with some uh, Law of One friends of mine, 
and they were uh, sort of discussing a an article uh, criticizing A Course in Miracles, um, which is mm-hmm. a pretty popular uh, New Age metaphysical uh, work. I I have a lot of experience with it because my parents studying it studied it when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and then I studied it for about five years or so. And I think it set the, I think a lot of uh, how wordy and complex it is set the stage for maybe being able to digest raw a little bit better than okay. I might have otherwise. Um, oh man, why did I bring this up? We were talking about it was criticizing, or at least, well, yeah, criticizing or commenting on the illusion. Yes, yes, yes. And I think there was something that the author said about you know, well, hey, if you think that everything's an illusion, then why wouldn't you, you know, storm the Capitol on January 6th and try to overturn mm. things? Like, you're just, like, bearing witness. And sure. He was basically trying to say how um, the dissociative aspects of this philosophy might have contributed to some of the uh, d- the weirdnesses that are going on in the wider, you know, mm. QAnon mm-hmm. uh, milieu. And, uh, you know, of course, I my alarm bells kind of go off a little bit because couldn't that kind of reasoning the author is doing apply to people who uh, subscribe to the law of one mm-hmm. who think that everything's an illusion? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can offer my uh, my take on this and we can see if it's founded in, in yeah. uh, any works that the Confederation has brought there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested to hear to hear your thoughts, because it's uh, the way I the way I see it is that they call it an illusion, but, but if we come here in order to learn, is it an illusion? It seems like there's two realities. There's the, there's the reality that's like home base for, for example, and we're just, we're just on first, second, we're just rounding the bases until we get back to home. But each base is just as real as the one before it. So I guess maybe that's, that's where I struggle. So I, I, I would well, love to hear anything I'd, sh- yeah, anything I share would be my opinion. I have to caveat that, but let's hear it. Let's hear your, it opinion. actually ties. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it actually ties with what we were talking about, about perception, right? That perception okay. is a creative act, um, that we participate in. It's not something that simply happens to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the illusion, uh, broadly speaking is, the character of that perception, broadly speaking, at a moment in time. I do not believe that the physical reality that we are experiencing is a capital I illusion. It is real and it is happening to us at the level at which we are conscious. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's illusory about it is that level of consciousness separated from all the other levels of consciousness. The fact that we are only occupying a small band of awareness in us in an infinite spectrum of awareness is what's illusory. The Mm. idea that that could be possible, that we could have this separation is an illusion. It is a functional illusion. Um, It is an illusion that teaches and it's an illusion that allows us uh, the possibility of reflection Right. Like it allows like if we're all if we're one, if we are part of one giant totalized thing, uh, there's nothing to reflect us back to each other, to ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. We don't have any ability to observe ourselves because there's no subject object 
differentiation. Mm -hmm. The illusion, I believe, is that experience of being able to observe yourself only by uh, separating yourself into parts that can be an observer and observed. Uh, that's kind of, I, I would not uh, defend that opinion to the to the death, but that's kind of generally how I approach it, that the that we need to be clear about what it is that is actually illusory. Mm -hmm. And the most illusory thing is our conception of ourselves as separate. And everything else that we might say about the illusion proceeds from that. It may be, in fact, that in the ultimate scheme of things, uh, matter and atoms and all that are some kind of illusion. But that's not a useful way to think about the illusion because when when atoms and matter uh, hit my head, they hurt. Yes. You know? So uh, I, I prefer, I think it's more actionable to think of the illusion as the character in which all of these things are happening to you. And that character is defined by where your mindset is at, where your attention is, and uh, what you desire. All of these things play a role in how you perceive it. And I think it's, uh, it's that that's a really good way of saying that, you know, it's because our perception can change it. Mm -hmm. That makes an illusion. Mm -hmm. It's because you want water in the desert that you see the oasis in the, in the, in, in the, in the, in the horizon, right? Like we are creating that experience because we desire it. And the second we realize how much of a role we play in that, it's almost, uh, it becomes a different kind of, kind of illusion. I think at that point, as we go into higher densities, they describe fourth density, fifth density, sixth density as also a system of illusions. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, I think that only makes sense if illusion is broadly understood as the idea of separation from the creator. Hmm. I think I just had a thought. If I had to boil it down, if I was if I was forced to define this, I would I would boil it down to that which is illusory is that that you can't take it, you know, you can't take it with you. You can't take your money with you, can't take your house, you know that's illusion. All that is gone. When you pass away, all that is, that is left to this plane. But what can you take with you when you pass away? When you move on, you take your experiences, you take your, what you've, how you've helped others. You take your personal growth. Um, you know, that's, that is the, that is what is real. You know, I suppose that's how I would put it. Um, Maybe a little more simplistic, but at least no. I I think it's the simplicity is what makes it so effective. I think. Well, when I when the when the Confederation when Hatan is noting the when he's talking about the illusion, it tends to be in the context of you know there are lots of people that are caught up, quote unquote, in the illusion. You know, going to work day to day, trying to earn lots of money. Um, just doing stuff that is not spiritually oriented. It's not really, you know, for example, going to work to earn money rather than going to work to help people. And in the, and in the process, you happen to make money. There's a subtle but important difference between those two attitudes, you know, and if you're caught up in the illusion, then you might be, 
you might be, to, you know, to the hell, to to hell with people. You know, I'm just in it for, uh, you know, just to earn a good income and 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 you know, buy that sweet car I've been wanting for forever. You know, when you get caught up in the things, and I'll be the first to say I love things. Um, but if you make that your, if you make that your center, that is getting caught up in the illusion because when you pass away, you ain't. It's gonna stay in your. You know, you can't play with that toy anymore. So. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's how I'd put it. Yeah. I, I actually really like, uh, that idea of, uh, what's, what's not illusory is the stuff that, uh, you take with you after, after you die. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that is easier to think about. I think mine is kind of sure. word salad. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good salad. <laughs> but I like to do word salad. I like, I like to, I like, to. you know, I did think, <laughs> I did think the other day, you know, every now and then I'll hear someone say, oh, I wish I could live forever, you know? And I'm like, hey, why, <laughs> you know, boy, that would get boring. I mean, didn't they write interview with a vampire about that idea that these vampires live forever and they're just getting bored. They're, you know, they're tired of it. But anyway, but you know, in this, in this philosophy, you do live forever. You know, there's that, there's that spirit that does live forever. And just for a minute, just for a minute right now, just think, I have eternity in front of me. That is a long time. <laughs> we can't even wrap it's human beings. We are not capable of thinking in terms of forever or eternity or infinity. It's, it's no. impossible. So, but with, okay, let's just think I've got a long time here. Let's put it into human terms. I'm going to live for a thousand years or 10,000 years. What is it that I would do today, tomorrow, this year? What would I do to look back in a thousand years and say, oh, wow, I'm really glad I did that, you know, a thousand years ago. Um, you know, what, what could you do now to make, not maybe not make the world a better place? What could you do to make your family happier, your neighborhood, you know, more fun to be in? Um, you know, that, that thought just came into my mind and uh, I enjoyed thinking about it because it, it kind of reframed, it kind of reframed things. Uh, in my own head. Yeah, that that's, that's very interesting. You know, a lot of what I think about is, uh, I think there's some place in somewhere in the Confederation transcript archive where they talk about how, like what it is that you actually do take with you from incarnations. Right. Mm. Uh, and it's not even necessarily the memories or the lessons as we would understand them, they're kind of, it's kind of the distillation of all of that, right? This it's, it, they, mm. they, it's almost like they, it's like this vague, like abstract feeling that you get from having been in this, like, you know, uh, really tough, dense environment. And then you bring that fruit, that harvest of all of that, that you've processed, um, in your afterlife experience, right. Of review, mm -hmm. um, and that is what builds the character of your soul that you bring into the next incarnation. Huh. I, do you mean to say, and we may be stretching into opinion territory here, but do you mean to say that when it's all said and done, and you're on, you're on the spirit side, so to speak, 
that you don't necessarily, I wouldn't remember my life right now as being Ryan and everything that I went through, but I would somehow incorporate those experiences into my, into my real self. But I wouldn't, rec- I, I think, but I wouldn't recognize as having been, you know, who I am right now. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense at, from a certain point of view, just about what we know about past life recall, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that I get your, that's uh, true. That's true. But I don't think that's the way in which it's meant. It's not about recalling a memory from a past experience. It's about how that residue of the experience actually accumulates, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how it accumulates into a transformed entity, an entity that has grown. Mm. Um, the 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 kicker is that I think there's a lot that happens in our lives that doesn't grow us, right? There's a lot of filler, oh, yeah. Right. So the idea is like being able to pay attention to those points in your life where you are learning a lesson and you know there's there's markers for that you know we mostly think of that as pain mm-hmm. pain focuses us on the present moment that's whatever else you might say about pain that is one thing that pain does it refuses to let us dissociate and think about the the past or the future we are on the present moment when we are feeling pain oh yeah oh yeah i just I went, I guess I wanted to dig into that just a touch because it made me think of uh, a book I read. It's called Proof of Heaven, uh, written by Dr. Eben Alexander. He was a neurosurgeon or neuro, he's, a, he's, a, he's an MD, but he, uh, he had bacterial meningitis and uh, was essentially in a coma for a, maybe a week. And, uh, but he had a near-death experience. Uh, the interesting part about his experience is that he had no brain activity when he, uh, you know, when he was out. Um, so the the current theories about uh, the current scientific theories surrounding near death experiences kind of got shot to the wind because he nullified him because he's like, yeah, I had no activity in my prefrontal cortex or anywhere in my brain, so it didn't come from there. So, but anyway, it's a it's an interesting near death experience. But one thing he said was that during the experience he had no memory of him being Eben Alexander. It was just, he was off on you know, doing whatever it is that, that he was doing. Um, but it, it, I guess I have experience. You, maybe you've had experiences like this when you're dreaming and in your dream, you're not married. You, it's like, you're, there's no even recollection or you're a completely different person in that dream. And I guess so I can relate to that, but uh, it would be interesting yeah, um, it would be interesting if that's kind of the case. Like as you move on, as you move on, maybe all of these lives that you had are something akin to when you're a, well, when you're a two-year-old and you don't create those long-term memories, but your subconscious is really developing. And those experiences you have when you're young certainly affect who you are when you're older. Yeah, I think it's about the difference between recalling at like, you know, if we think about a memory that happened when we were really young. A lot of times what we recall is the feeling. Mm, yes. And the specific details might not attend too much. And I think that's close to what I'm trying to say is that there, there's like a, uh, a taste, a flavor of experience that 
we come here for, I believe. And that, that that's kind of what we're looking for. Hmm. It's kind of what we kind of push off against and it pushes on us and shapes us and helps us grow. And that wider identity that is the true selves that, you know, Jeremy here and Ryan there, that, that's not really our true selves. Yes. It's not our total selves. So it's just getting getting uh, into details like this is, you know, fun. But at the end of the day, uh, it's about kind of asking questions and not providing these answers, mm. right? Like yeah. take these questions into your meditative experience and see what see what you have to say about it. See yeah. what your mind has to say about it. One thing one thing I often question personally is the the classic, you know, why am I here? <laughs> but more specifically, what is it that I'm here to learn? Because I have heard I have heard stories of people I think you said this earlier, you know, earlier in the in today's session that um maybe this was in the transcript library, maybe this is a message of the Confederation that people come here and we've got kind of themes, at least this is how I interpreted it. We essentially have themes. It's a maybe one core lesson or one core theme that we're working on. And it may manifest in multitude of ways, but I'm trying to zero in on my personal themes. What are the things that I have to work on? Because in my mind, if I can better identify that, maybe I can work on that. And if I can work on that and get better at that, maybe so check that off my list, so to speak, maybe there's another one that's waiting for me. Maybe there's another set of lessons that I'm here to explore and learn, but only if I can get through this first barrier. You know, that's something that I, that I take into meditation every now and then. That's the place to do it. Um, I actually read a quote that addressed just this question and mm. What they said was that you usually bring like one big question mm -hmm. and a few ancillary questions. Mm. Um, and the you identify these by where are, th what are, I, I guess you identify it if I have to paraphrase by like, what kinds of experiences do you have regularly? Or what kind yes. of things keep coming up? Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Also, dreams can be helpful to figuring this out. What are you dreaming I, about? I, I want to share this with you because I, I think it was, I think, okay, <laughs> reader beware. I think I read this in the raw contact and the raw material. I know that feeling, man. <laughs> I got to read so much or I listen to so much. It's, I just, it all blends together. But <clears throat> the idea was that there is catalyst available in your dreams. And that um, you can learn things from your dreams um, or that there are guides that are available in the sleep state that can, you know, you can go to class, so to speak. This actually was in a recent Confederation transcript about they were talking right. about sleep. And <clears throat> But one thing that I do, I don't do this if I need to get a good night's sleep because I, funny enough, if I ask for this and I'll get to the question, but if I ask for this before I go to bed, I'm probably going to wake up a little more tired the next morning. But what I will do is that I will ask and I will say to myself or who, the ether, whoever's out there, if there is something that I need to learn or that I can learn tonight in my dreams, I'm game. Send it my way. And 
four or five times now after just putting my head in that state, I've had some really good dreams and, uh, dreams that have taught me a lesson about myself. One was, uh, I'll just, I'll paraphrase it. One was, uh, I I had to confront my friend who was armed to the teeth. He was about to go into some building and like, you know, he was about to commit some heinous crime and I had to stop him from, from doing this. And, um, I remember this dream so vividly and I remember, I remember it because I came out of it going, wow, it worked. (laughs) You know what? I asked the question. It sent me into this crazy scenario that it, it taught me a lot about myself, you know, and it just, it was just a good experience. So I've got, I've gotten into the habit of just asking this question. If there's something I can learn when I go to bed tonight in my dreams, you know, send me, send it my way, help me out friends, whoever's out there. And, um, yeah, see if I can just get a little, little extra catalyst at night, you know? You're doing what the Confederation suggests, which is to set the intention to remember your dream mm-hmm. and for it to be a an educational experience of some kind, whether that education is coming from your guides, helpers, higher self, or maybe just your subconscious, right? It's yeah. a lot of levels going on. Yeah, and that's one thing I enjoy about all of this is again, whether or not it's real, my brain is, there's still certain activity going on in my brain. And that in and of itself is a great question. Why is this, why is that happening? When I ask that question at night, you know, why does this happen? What's going on in my subconscious? What's going on in other parts of my brain to, uh, you know, to inspire this activity. So it's, uh, yeah, no, there's, there's so much you can take from it, you know, from, from multiple angles. Yeah. yeah, I think especially in those dreams we have where we're in some like arbitrary situation, we have some arbitrary like <laughs> like identity in there, right? Like I, I know a lot of dreams I have are really weird because like I run this store and <laughs> uh, uh, my you know, my, my two moms, I don't have two moms, my two moms come up, you know what I mean? Like, like all the details are off and yet in the dream, they make complete sense. Right. Yes. And it's almost like we get a mini incarnation to test out, uh, a, a piece of catalyst almost, uh, with the stakes being kind of low because we're in this like foggy dream state and we're not the same. We're not playing the same role that we play in normal life. Yeah. It's almost like that. I love that you said mini incarnation because I have a habit. I wish I was like a a writer, like a creative writer because I get, I get book ideas or synopsis ideas often. And I had this idea for a, for a book. What if, what if you, what if you did that? What if you had these mini incarnations? What if, for example, you had a group of five people that every day they would, they would start from scratch, you know, they would come into a specific scenario and they would have to play that scenario. And then at the end of the day, when they'd go to sleep, they'd go to a review, a a mini life review and they'd review the day. Be like, you'd have the bad guy, like, wow, I did a really good job that day. You got really mad, you know, and then, and then you rinse and repeat with the whole idea of getting to one lesson that the group is trying to learn, you know, I thought that would be a fun idea like groundhog day, but just, you know, spiritual. 
or or quantum leap or quantum leap oh yeah sure i mean yeah uh the only thing missing from quantum leap is the review part right oh sure you never get a chance to review yeah yeah you're right <laughs> he just has to keep going you're right boy that's a throwback <laughs> oh yeah oh that's i a, loved that show when yeah. it was out if you and don't know what it is I you gotta google it, it. google it yeah but uh i watched it you know when i was an adult uh, you know, 20, 30 years later. And oh my God, it is cheesy. Is it? Oh, it man. is so cheesy. Loved it as a kid. <laughs> but the concept, I, but you know, you can totally see the concept of reincarnation, of wanderers, right? Mm. There's something that we have. I don't think we've even touched on wanderers yet, but the idea of somebody with a little bit extra skills coming into a situation as an equal part of that situation, right? An yes. Equal human with no special skills or sorry, now I'm contradicting myself with nothing else, but like a memory in a, in a resource. Yes. Uh, that they can sometimes draw on. Uh, but it's really about showing their character in that situation. I mean, that's what I think Sam Beckett actually, uh, demonstrates. It's not really about Al and their mm. ability to look up the details of the situation. It's how the fact that, uh, uh, Sam Beckett entered into the situation and his his character and his soul and heart came through to change that situation. You know, that's yeah. what made a difference. Yeah. And then we just watched the drama of like, you know, what crazy thing did he do that manifested that heart yeah. and that, you know, that passion. It's, I remember watching the show, but the only the only episode I remember is when he hopped into a place where they didn't have penicillin. And they were, oh, he yeah. was like in the middle of a, of a legit pandemic. And he's like, have you tried mold? And so he like, they grab a piece of cheese or something with mold on it and it cures everyone. <laughs> something so, something so cheesy and simple, but uh, that was a great show. I mean, Star Trek basically does that, but just with a few more highfalutin words, sure, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait until we, we'll have to save this until next time, but I can't wait to, to go into the Wanderers because- I thought about this, you know, I think Ross said that Thomas Jefferson was a wanderer. Uh, ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson were two wanderers during the revolutionary times. But, you know, rumor has it, Thomas Jefferson owned slaves and and slept with one of them and had an, you know, so it's like he was 100% human. Wanderer or not, he was in the illusion. He was in it. You know, so it's, and even Carla listening to her, her book, uh, living the law of one, the choice, um, just hearing her experiences when she was growing up, just a little, just a little anecdotes or little tidbits she throws in, yeah. you, you're just reminded, okay, she was either fifth or sixth density. I don't think they ever confirmed. Um, but she was a wanderer high level, you know, and, but she had a completely human experience growing up she was you know she was in it so it's it's an interesting idea that uh yeah when you come here it you you're you're in it you know yeah. you become completely the creature of the illusion yeah that's how i think they put it mm. yeah so that'll be and that's 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 what's so significant about it i mean this kind of takes us back to how do you serve yes. uh, somebody uh who is in a low position who is in, who is suffering, who's, uh, in the doldrums, mm -hmm. uh, you, you meet them where they're at and that's what the wanderers do. Uh, wanderers mm -hmm. are higher density entities who agree to incarnate into 
a human body and a human experience uh, and lose almost all the time uh, that I'm aware of, lose any uh, 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 recall of their true yeah. uh, origin, uh, except uh, to the extent that they can like do the same discipline of the personality that all of us can do to get access to our greater selves. Yeah. Uh, but they're here to serve, not by doing something specific, although they often do specific things, uh, but through the their ability to bring love and light through mm-hmm. in a, maybe a slightly uh, better way than other people. And it's that service of being, of the mere radiation of your of your of yourself that is what is making the difference supposedly yeah that's that might actually be a fantastic place to stop because we just you just put a period at the end of the sentence you know when we were talking about how to serve how to come to someone's level and connect with them and wanderers literally do just that they step down in their energy whatever it is that they do and they literally come to our level to connect with us, you know, and be that light. Yeah, it's it's a great topic to dive into. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, on that note, should we call it? <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and call it. Uh, we kind of bounced all around today, but, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like surfing, you know, sometimes you fall off the board to get back up on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we had I, some glitches in the video stream that's connecting us uh, across the continent. So yes. if it seems a little bit disjointed, uh, that's that's why. I can always uh, fix that in the post edit as well. So <laughs> we'll they'll see. never they'll know. never know. <laughs> It'll be smooth, smooth as peanut butter, creamy peanut butter. So, but uh, always a pleasure. I always walk away with from from my chat, my chats with you, with just something extra to think about. You know. Just like uh, we still need to to talk about the concept of planting seeds, but it's like you're always planting seeds in me, you know. So, always enjoy this. I enjoy it too, and and you'd be surprised how uh, the way that you phrase things shows me a different aspect too. I mean, these are not at the at the root intellectual concepts, and they are things that everybody deals with, no matter what they believe. Or what they've read. And so there's always going to be something that someone can show you that you might not understand about yourself, the nature of the creation, the nature of reality. Uh, and it's really about just uh, paying attention and watching out for those, for those, they're probably happening to us all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, in a situation like this where you and I are concentrating very heavily on each other, yeah. that I think we baby basically give ourselves, you know, a little bit of a boost to, to appreciate what each other gives, but I certainly appreciate yeah. what you're bringing to the table. Heck yeah. Well, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going to everyone listening. Thanks for checking in. We'll, uh, we'll have another one out soon and we'll always, always enjoy to hear, uh, to hear your feedback. So feel free to go to inaudible.show and peruse there. There should be a, a contact contact page there. So Jeremy, again, it's a pleasure until next time. Stay in the love and light friend. <laughs>